listening to episode 39 of the STEM Space. Today, we're answering a listener email about how we became educators from engineers. We'll also talk about some ways that you can improve your STEM education journey. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. So we got an email and I wanted to jump on a call with you so we can answer it. So we got an email from Jess Luttrell, and I'm really excited about this because I want more people to ask us, if you have a topic that you want us to address, please email us, or better yet, leave us a review on uh, whatever you're listening to for this podcast. Yes, we we love to hear from our listeners, so we don't we know that other people are actually listening. I mean, Claire, I love talking to you, but I also would love to know who's out there listening and what do you want to hear? Yeah, so I'm excited that there was somebody besides just my mom listening to this podcast. (laughs) So thank you, Jess. This is what she wrote, Natasha. She says, I found your podcast on Spotify and I am so excited to be connecting with you ladies. I'm also a female engineer currently working in the biotechnology industry who is considering becoming a teacher. I was wondering if you could do an episode describing why you chose to leave the STEM industry and go into education and the steps you took to get credentialed or how you chose the right school system to work for. I love it. Yeah, so that's a a lot of questions in there. And (laughs) I really love her kind of thinking through this because she's asking all the right questions. And we ask these same questions to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. When we started out. So we're going to talk more than just about how to become a teacher from an engineer, but just kind of starting from there. We've shared some of our story in episode one, I believe, but Natasha, how did you become a teacher? I mean, I'm thinking through what the best advice is to give her. And all I can say is my story, right? This is my path and everybody's path is going to be totally different, Um, but you can do it. If you're an engineer or a scientist or any STEM professional or honestly, any kind of pathway that you're on right now. And if you feel this calling for education, there is a place for you. And I always want to encourage people to go into education. And, you know, Claire, you talk about your story. And also, I I guess my example too, it's not just being in the traditional classroom. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get a certification and go teach in, you know, a public school. There's a lot of different pathways. So I didn't know that. I was an aerospace engineer, right? We both graduated from Texas A&M. I went and worked for the Navy and I felt this calling for education. So I started volunteering. That was my first step. And I went in as a math tutor and I just started helping middle school kids with their homework. And I was like, Ooh, this is kind of fun. And I bet I could figure out a better way to do this. And fast forward to like a year later, I had was running this whole science and math after school program where I had volunteers and we were doing these STEM challenges and I was running a summer camp. And eventually I was like, you know, I really want to do this full time. And so I started researching like alternative certifications and I wasn't really ready to jump in to a teaching role. I really like also having kind of the curriculum side, the programming. And so I decided to go the path of a nonprofit. So my job right now, which I started seven years ago when I left my career in engineering, was going into this nonprofit with the title of STEM director. And so what I do is I develop curriculum and then I go in after school. So this is not in the main you know, school day. It's an after school program called Space Club. We have run other curriculum. We run STEM family nights. And so 
there are so many ways and I don't have a teaching background. I did not get certified in teaching. I'm now back in school, getting my master's in education, about to start a PhD in a couple of weeks, which is a little scary. Mm -hmm. So I'm still developing that, you know, side of that background. But if you just kind of go on, this is where I started. I went to Google and I was like, STEM education and like looked at jobs <laughs> and that popped up and there's a lot of different roles that don't require certification. So Claire, tell about your side of the story. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, also my story about becoming an educator doesn't have to be as intimidating as I think a lot of other people think. Being an engineer was great. I loved doing the science and the math and applying it to manufacturing. That's a lot of what I did. I, after college, after graduating with an aerospace engineering degree, I went off and I worked for Boeing. I worked for Boeing Space Exploration and Boeing Commercial Airlines and manufacturing of big Boeing airliners, probably some that you've flown on if you've ever gone to a different state or a different country. And then I worked for a crop duster manufacturing company. And so a lot of really cool experiences. And I, I did enjoy my job. And I think I don't want to give off the impression of I hated it. So I wanted to go do something else, but it was always this tug. And I think Natasha and I, we had kind of the same thing in college too. We loved doing the outreach and we'd take what we were doing in engineering and go to local elementary schools and teach them how to build a rocket out of toilet paper tubes <laughs> and things like that. And we just really loved that. And I think we didn't really it, like didn't dawn on us like, oh, you can actually like do this for right, a living, right? right? <laughs> we're like this is really fun. What other <laughs> outreach can we do? Oh yeah, but we're still, you know, going to do this engineering thing. Right. But then when I was working for Air Tractor of the crop duster manufacturing company, I was still doing some outreach at local schools and other teachers were saying, hey, I'm now being required to teach STEM or teach engineering. What do you do? And I said, oh, I'd love to come talk to your kids. Anything to get out of my cubicle. I don't want to be on the computer all day. I want to talk to people. I love giving back. And I think you can relate to Natasha. There's so many people that I could point to and say, I couldn't have gotten where I went in engineering without these people helping me and inspiring me right. and showing me, I didn't even know what engineering was until I was in, I think it was ninth grade. And I had a, a biology teacher that assigned this project. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, astronaut, I'm like, okay, how are you going to get there? What school are you going to go to? What classes are you going to take? What's your major? And I was like, what? <laughs> you can't just like sign up. I just want to be an astronaut. And so I think helping kids figure that out was just one of something that really excited me. And so when you took the plunge and jumped into education, we were like, hey, how can we help people together through this? And that's when we started Vivify. And I think what's really cool about education, like you mentioned, is it's so flexible and there's so many different avenues to get there. If you are cash strapped, there's not a whole lot of <laughs> options because, you know, like you jumped in through volunteering. I jumped in through volunteering as well and then started working with a group of homeschool co-op parents that wanted some STEM enrichment. So not something that you could live on doing that. You might want to go the do your education and certification first so you can work in a big school district if you really need that financial backing. But I still work without a teacher certification. I'm going to hopefully getting one, but I 
went into private schools. And I think the thing to think about is how are you going to make sure that you are prepared as an educator and that you're doing the right thing? I mean, that's the whole point of getting a certification, getting a degree in education is making sure you know what you're doing, right? right. But you don't have to have that piece of paper to say, know what you're doing. You just, that's one way to prove to people, right? So I, I think that's the tricky thing because I, I don't want to say you don't need a certification, but you don't need one. But I don't want to invalidate how certification is, is a good thing. Well, and there's just many different forms of education, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's the curriculum writing side. There's the after school or out of school time. So running summer camps, running after school programs, teaching your own kids, right? We're educators as parents. And then private schools, they have very different rules that teachers have to have certain type of credentials to work in private versus public school. So I don't think the certificate really is required, depending on what you want to do. But I also want to encourage whoever's interested in thinking about education, volunteering is still a good place to start because yeah. you don't really know until you've experienced it. And you might think you're like, oh, I watched these movies about teaching and it seems so <laughs> amazing. I'm going to change these lives. And then you get into a classroom and I'll never forget like this one kid just dumping their whole milk carton on the table, like little things like that, you know, mm. and they're just messy and chaotic. And it's it's just not as as an engineer, you're like, these are my design constraints. This is the definition of success. As an educator, that definition of success and being an effective educator is so messy and challenging and it takes time. You can't just walk in, even if you have a certification or not, you can learn everything from a book, but until you get into that classroom, whether it's five kids or 25 kids, it's hard. Teaching is really hard. So for our, you know, the person that asked, I would tell her, go try it. Like, just go volunteer, go look into a classroom and see what it's like before you fool in, take the plunge. What do you think? Absolutely. I think that's a huge point because I think my expectations going into education was, like you said, like, I'm going to teach these things. The students are just going to understand it and then they're going to do what I tell them to do. Well, some days I spend the whole class period just talking about, stop crying. You're going to be okay. Like, you're going to make it through. I, I know your thing failed but it's it's okay like it's building character and and so many soft skills that you don't think about at first so like volunteering that's a great idea and I would also say going to like just hang out with a teacher just go sit in a classroom just see how it works yeah. see how kids interact with each other that's a big thing in STEM is group work so that's a whole nother dynamic to see like even if you have your own kids other kids work differently and they don't always get along go shadow educators if it's a camp or an after school program go get involved in those volunteering and after school programs there's always a need there mm -hmm. so definitely. and even oh, it was just popped in my head museums they often have science exhibits summer camp, special programs. I know in San Antonio, there's the Duseum. That's like this museum that often has just STEM focused exhibits. So that's even a great place to start as a volunteer, but even as a career, you don't have to go strictly into just teaching and formal K through 12. There's so many other opportunities. That is a great point. And 
Yeah, I'm really excited for Jess and for anybody else that wants to do more with education, even if you're just getting started, even if you don't have a STEM background, if you have a passion about something, go try it. Even if you're not an engineer and you want to do STEM, that is totally cool. I think that is one reason why you should volunteer also is because you may not, you may think that you want to do something or teach a certain thing, but you may find out, hey, that's not your, your idea of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I remember starting was with outreach presentations. So before I even volunteered, there was always a call for guest speakers or going to science fair and doing judging. So there's this way to do more of the outreach side. And so just talking about the career that she's in right now in biotechnology and what does she do and what do you need to get there? Like you mentioned, a lot of kids have no idea what that means or what that requires. And so whatever path she chooses, there is such a need for people with a technical background to support STEM education in K through 12, right? So I would say even without a certification, we need her. We need more people like her, others with these technical backgrounds, because the content out there, you know, there's a lot of content creators in STEM, and we've talked about this before. There's a lot of variations and levels of quality, and we're here trying to promote, you know, the engineering design process and not so much like the artsy, crafty things, which very, very useful in school, but there's a difference between that and engineering design. And so it's useful to have more people that are advocates and have experience in in the sciences and engineering to really support that. So I just encourage her to pursue it. And there's so many opportunities and needs for people like her. Absolutely. And that also part of her question is the steps that you took to get to where you are. And so if you think that we don't need a certification, Natasha, why are you getting a degree in education and pursuing your PhD? So I'm not getting a certification, so I'm not getting a teaching certification because I don't personally want to go teach in K through 12, but I am really interested in curriculum development and the bigger questions that kind of drive policy behind STEM education. So what is STEM? Why do we need STEM education? And that's also engineering education. And it's these bigger questions that we're all struggling with as we develop our K-12 STEM programs. And I started with a master's with the only intention of getting a master's. <laughs> and then I got hooked in and really interested. And I started getting into the research. We'll have to do another podcast on the research I'm doing. But basically, I'm analyzing all these kids' videos while they're doing this engineering design challenge and looking at what they're reflecting on and what they're getting out of this project. So anyway, I'm just really interested. And I think that's giving me a much greater understanding as we develop as a company, Vivify STEM and develop curriculum. I think it's giving me a really good background on how to make the most effective curriculum to help teachers out there. Oh yeah. I think that's awesome. And I love learning from you and all the things that you're learning. And I think, you know, as educators, we see how learning is important. And so we want to continue to grow in our education knowledge as well. And you made a good point about how being a part of policy with STEM education. And that's one of the reasons why we got into education is we saw that the people that were steering STEM education had no STEM background. So we were thinking, hey, if you don't know how the end result works out in real STEM fields, how do you know how to teach it or how people should teach it? Right. So we wanted to help there. So I think it's so needed to have more people with that technical background to come into education in any form, volunteer, be in the classroom, do extracurricular, be informal educator like you are, Natasha. I'm, I'm now in the classroom. And so I get that perspective. And that's part of the reason 
reason why I'm pursuing an education master's right now is so that I can improve as a classroom teacher. But we have so much more room in education for more. We need everybody. Come help us. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so I also wanted to, to kind of throw out there something that I saw recently in a museum that made a big impact on me as I, I recently was on vacation and my family went to Fredericksburg in Texas, which is a really awesome, cute little town in the hill country of Texas, if you've never been there. But they have this amazing museum. It's a naval museum honoring Admiral Nimitz, who was a Navy Admiral during World War II. And it's just phenomenal the things that he did. This museum was incredible. It would take all day to go through the whole thing. And they kids activities and all sorts of stuff. But something that really struck me was in the middle of this museum was this big picture of this woman. And as you get closer to it, it was a picture of his favorite teacher that was in his museum. So there's all this stuff about the war and him and like stuff blowing up and all sorts of crazy stuff. And then his favorite teacher. And it said next to it, Admiral Nimitz said about her, he said, whatever qualities of calmness and patience I may possess, I attribute to her example. And I just thought, wow, like his teacher is in his museum because of something that he attributed, something that was really important to him. All these accomplishments that he did in his life, he attributed some major things to this teacher that he had. I was thinking like, what an amazing opportunity we have as educators or as people, even if you're not a teacher or don't have that label, you're still a teacher to somebody. And so even if you are an educator in the classroom or you're thinking about going into education or for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast right now, I just want to make sure that we are continually growing in this example that we have to kids or people that are trying to become what whatever we are. So that made me look into like, We have all these standards that we're getting our kids to meet. Are there standards for teachers? And of course there are. And a lot of teachers are probably aware of these, but I found some on the National Board Certification website. And they first published these in 1989 and then updated it in 2016. And there's five propositions of being a good teacher. Have you ever seen these, Natasha? I have not. Tell me more. Okay, so proposition one. Teachers are committed to students and their learning, which I was like, committed. That's a pretty strong word. To be an educator, it doesn't say you need to be certified. It says you need to be committed to students and their learning. Proposition two, teachers know the subjects they teach and how to teach those subjects to students. That's a lot in one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what does it mean to know the subject you teach? Does that mean that you have a book that gives you a curriculum? Does it mean that you've lived that experience of whatever that knowledge that you're teaching? Or bringing in the experts that know the knowledge, say like engineering, if you're trying to teach about careers, knowing where to go to get the information. So there could be a caveat there, right? Knowing the subject or where to get it, (laughs) get the knowledge and then how to teach it. But I think, of course, that's critical. Okay. Proposition three, teachers are responsible for managing and monitoring student learning. Yes. That's an intense one. (laughs) I don't want to be responsible for how you learn. I just took that learning theories course and I'm like, whoa, that feels like a heavy one to me. Proposition four, teachers think systematically about their practice and learn from experience. Yeah. Think systematically. 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, they have you definitely improve as a teacher because year one, you're like, wow, I didn't know what I was doing, but this worked and this didn't. And you kind of figure out, mm-hmm. get in your groove, right? Yeah, I, this made me think, I mean, as an engineer, I'm thinking system. Okay, a system, like an electrical system, you have a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's it's like that. You are systematically thinking, okay, I'm going to put in this input, see what the output is, learn from it so that next time I can adjust what that input is to get either the same outcome or an improved outcome. So it's this cycle. So yeah. maybe that's what, what that okay. means. Yeah. So you're like, I'm going to try one variable at a time. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to try this classroom management technique and see if I have a decrease in incidence, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And proposition five, the last one. Teachers are members of learning communities. Mm, yes, I like that. Mm-hmm. And that can be on Twitter. <laughs> that could be in your school building. We are part of the elementary STEM con conference. Like there's these conferences where it brings together people that have the same subjects. So I feel like I learned so much just listening to other teachers and you can't often get it from a book, right? And yeah, I love that. I think that's so important. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of parenting too. Like you think you know all the things, you read all the books. Of course, they say every child's different and you go through all these struggles, but I always learned the most when I'm with other parents who are parenting their children. I'm like, oh, what a great way to say that or handle that or, oh, I'm not going to handle it that way. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think maybe that's like kind of the summary of this podcast episode in our advice to Jess is to be around the people that you want to be like. So listen to the podcast, listen to this podcast, join groups on Facebook of teachers and be a part of learning communities. And obviously she reached out to us. So that means she's seen our website and perhaps has found us through other learning communities. So Jess, you're taking the steps. You're moving in the right direction. You're reaching out to people. And I'm really impressed, actually, you know, Mm -hmm. that she took that step. And I think she's going to be very successful with whatever, you know, she picks to do. So I hope this kind of helped. And feel free to, you know, message us back, Jess, after you hear this podcast and let us know if you have any other questions or anything else you think we can share to help your your journey. And we also want to hear about it. Like, what happens? What did you decide to do? Yeah, maybe we should have her on here as a follow-up next year. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) And if anybody else is listening and has any other suggestions or advice or want to share your journey, we'd love to hear that as well. So make sure to leave a comment on our website or on social media when we post this podcast episode. Until then, we will talk to you next time. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye-bye.